listening to a special edition of 2XXFM's current affairs news program subject ACT. Alcohol-related violence is an important ACT current affairs issue. Over the next 90 minutes, we take a look at how to reduce alcohol-related violence in the ACT. Thank you for joining us today on 2XXFM 98.3. Today is Friday the 29th of July. I'm Doug Dobie. Last Friday, a 20-year-old Canberra man was jailed for the New Year's drunken one-punch attack in Civic. Unfortunately, Canberra is not immune to alcohol-related violence in and around licensed venues. Over the next 90 minutes in this Subject ACT special program on reducing alcohol-related violence in the ACT, we take a look at how can we have a vibrant nightlife where people can have fun in a safe environment. In the first part of our program, we talk about the ACT government's proposals to reduce alcohol-related violence in the ACT. After the news at one o'clock, we talk about the health and safety impacts of alcohol-related violence in the ACT. Then in the final part of the program, we take a closer look at the vibrant nightlife. While other states have introduced lockout laws in an attempt to reduce alcohol-related violence, Chief Minister Andrew Barr earlier this year ruled out lockout laws for the ACT. Then the ACT government released proposals including significant increase for licence fees for venues serving alcohol past 3am. Critics labelled this as lockout laws in disguise and were concerned of the adverse flow-in effect of these laws if introduced. Earlier this week, the ACT government announced they would not go ahead with increasing licence fees for venues serving alcohol past 3am. Chief Minister Barr was not available for comment. We talk with Jeremy Hansen, leader of the opposition. Welcome, Jeremy. Yeah, good afternoon. Thanks very much for having me on. Unfortunately, Canberra is not immune from alcohol-related violence. Jeremy, do you think we have a growing alcohol problem in the ACT? Not sure it's a growing problem, but certainly I recognise that there has been a problem with alcohol, particularly in Civic, and there are a number of measures to deal with that. But I think there is more that we can do. Obviously, we want to make sure that particularly our young people, when they go out at night, that they go out, they have a good time, they enjoy themselves, uh, but that they're safe. Uh, And I think that there are two competing uh, issues at stake. One is we want to make sure that Canberra is a fun place to be, that it's got a vibrant nightlife, but we do want to make sure that people can enjoy it in a a safe environment. And I think that we can do that. You can't eliminate all of the risk, but the government's proposal, which would potentially lead to a close down in Civic, I don't think is the right way to go. What would you say are some of the wider impacts of alcohol-related violence? Well, I think that we've all seen some of the issues uh, as they're playing out on our TV screens and CCTV footage. And I'm particularly concerned about uh, what are described as one-punch or coward-punch attacks. Uh, These are uh, terrible crimes that Mm. can leave people devastated. Uh, And I think that we've got to really focus on making sure that we've got uh, a response to that. Now, we've been looking uh, at this problem for some time, and we've certainly called on the government to take a number of steps, which they haven't, which is unfortunate. And we will, should we be successful at the election in October, And that includes coward punch legislation and we've called on the government to introduce that. Both the Greens and the Labor Party won't, but we will. Uh, Similar to legislation that's in other jurisdictions, including in New South Wales. Uh, Clearly, there's a need for more police numbers in Civic. Uh, They are too thin on the ground. Uh, Not only are patrons uh, potentially at risk, uh, but the police themselves have said that they're at risk because of a lack of numbers. And we need better public transport. Uh, We need to make sure that at the end of the night uh, that young people are able to get home 
in a timely way and that we don't have people uh, milling around in civic simply being able to get out, unable to get out of civic, uh, that's going to lead to problems. So there is a lot that we can do to make civic safer. Uh, mm. And obviously we've got to look at all the options on the table. But looking at the, uh, the proposals put forward by the government that are going to lead to a closure of nightlife and civic, I don't think that's the right way to go. So when we talk about a closure, what do you understand of some of the proposals at the moment? The government put out a white paper and we've looked through that and there are some good and sensible recommendations uh, and we would potentially support them. But the ones of particular concerns are where uh, venues after a particular time, uh, be it 3am, will have their fees increased uh, by potentially 500%. Now, the reality of that is that we'll see I think a number of venues close after that time. Now, that will have unintended consequences, and those consequences are twofold. Uh, Firstly, what you'll see is that then a lot of patrons at that time of uh, night will move to the one or two venues that remain open, particularly the casino, uh, maybe one or two other venues that remain open. So you'll actually get a congregation, uh, an increase in the number of potentially drunk people after 3 a.m., in the one or two locations. I don't think that's a good answer. Uh, the other side of the coin, of course, is that then a lot of venues will struggle to operate because if they're not able to offer uh, a product, I think what we'll see is particularly uh, a lot of the clubs in the outer areas uh, and clubs in, uh, in around Civic will shut down uh, and there'll just be less options for places to go and we're going to see uh, Civic become, I guess in many ways, a, a dead sort of zone similar Mm. as we've seen in other cities. Because it has taken a while for Canberra to build up that vibrant nightlife, haven't we? Well, that's right. And we want to make sure that Canberra is a good, fun place. We want to make Mm. sure that we provide options for people uh, to say, well, we we can rival uh, Sydney and Melbourne as a good place to go out. And, of course, you can look at the two cities and they do provide examples. And Melbourne hasn't gone down this path. They've taken other options. And, yes, there will be incidents. There are always going to be incidents. Uh, But Melbourne's been able to manage it pretty well, and I'd rather go down that sort of path rather than trying to just simply shut down venues uh, as a response. Uh, You know, it it is a sort of response that I think is not one that we should be dealing with in a mature society. Uh, We should be able to keep venues open while also making sure that Canberra stays safe. And that's one of the challenges too is... Most people that are going out enjoying a night out on the town are responsible and well-behaved and we don't want to see them punished. That's a very good point, Doug. Most people going out, going out, uh, having a good time. They want Mm. to go out and dance, have a few drinks uh, and enjoy themselves. And uh, certainly I'd have to confess that it, you know, those those days have passed me by and maybe you too, (laughs) Doug, that going out at that time of night. But I do understand and, you know, fair enough. There are a lot of younger people that want to go out and enjoy themselves. And why is it that we're going to try and stop that? Now, we've got to, you know, as I said before, make sure that they're doing so in a safe environment. But simply shutting down their opportunity to go out and have a good time, I think is a punitive sort of response. And for the government to say that this isn't lockouts, this is just a change to the liquor licensing structure, is disingenuous. This is clearly lockouts by itself. From a Liberal government, are you taking some active steps at this point of time to try and raise those concerns? Well, certainly we put out a statement some time ago that expressed our position about keeping Canberra open but also keeping Canberra safe. Mm. Uh, so I think people understand our position. We've made that clear and that's uh, our position that we'd take into government should we be successful in October. 
Uh, and it's not to ignore the issues either. We take alcohol violence very seriously, very mm. seriously. It's just we've got to consider what is the right way to go, and there are always shades of grey in any debate, aren't there? Mm, but, exactly. Uh, when we've looked at the, the evidence, uh, we've looked at what is the best way to go on balance, we've got a very clear position. We will keep Canberra open whilst keeping Canberra safe, and that can be done. Mm. Uh, we don't support uh, what the Labor Party uh, and their Green allies, uh, although Shane Rattenbury hasn't put out a position yet, uh, at this stage, he's, he's been a bit all over the place, but we'll see see what he comes to. That is the challenge, is balancing between the vibrant nightlife and businesses and safety too, isn't it? Well, in most decisions you make in politics, there's never a, a black and white. You have mm. to look at the evidence and uh, you have to come down one way or make a compromise. And we will support a number of measures uh, aimed at uh, reducing alcohol violence where appropriate. But certainly there are a number of measures that the uh, government is proposing that go too far, hmm. uh, that we don't support. But, uh, you know, in our view, firstly, they won't achieve the aim that's being um, uh, essentially the intended aim, which is to improve safety, but it also will have massive uh, flow-on consequences uh, for all of those uh, clubs and nightclubs uh, and, you know, importantly, the patrons that go there and want to have a good time. So, Jeremy, what would you say? Where do we go from here? Well, uh, there's an election in October, I suppose, is, is the simple answer. Uh, and it's clear that uh, the Labor Party uh, want to shut Civic down past 3am. Uh, we have a different view. Uh, we want to make sure that we keep our city nightlife open. Uh, we do want to make sure that we're doing what we can to make sure that uh, it's safe. And as I said, that's why we have extra police. That's why we'd have cow punch legis- legislation. That's why we'd have better public transport options. Uh, but ultimately, people will have a decision in October. Now, I'm not sure exactly whether the government's proposing legislation or uh, any particular amendments uh, prior to October, but it's pretty clear where they're going, what their strategic view is. Uh, and I think it's very clear uh, that if it's a Hanson Liberal government, we will keep Canberra open and we'll keep it safe. Uh, if it's a Bar Labor government, uh, in the longer term, they're going to shut Civic down past uh, 2 or 3 a.m. in the morning. But, uh, you know, this is an important debate. It just forms part of the, uh, the debates leading up uh, to the election. And I think people are, have got a real choice in front of them. And, uh, you know, we will continue to engage. We're in government with the, the patrons, the, the people that actually run these bars and uh, cafes and restaurants. But we'll also, obviously, uh, listen closely to the advice from police and other experts as well. So, you know, we'll do everything that we can to make sure that Canberra is a great place to live and it's a safe place to live. And I think that's very doable. Jeremy, thank you for joining us on 2XXFM. Good on you. Thanks, Doug. That was Jeremy Hansen, Leader of the Opposition, talking about the ACT government's proposals to reduce alcohol-related violence in the ACT. This interview was conducted prior to the ACT government announcement this week to not increase licence fees for venues serving alcohol past 3am. You are listening to a special edition of 2XXFM's current affairs program subject ACT, Reducing Alcohol-Related Violence. Stay tuned for more on 2XXFM 98.3, people-powered radio, celebrating 40 years of community radio in Canberra. We now welcome Shane Rattenbury, Greens MLA, to talk about reducing alcohol-related violence in the ACT. Shane, thank you so much for joining us on 2XX today. 
Shane, the last few days, we have a 20-year-old man jailed for the New Year drunken one-punch attack in Civic. And we have also the ACT government looking at ways to reduce alcohol-related violence in the ACT. At one stage, they were looking at proposals to introduce increased licensing for late-night venues. And then this week, they've actually overturned that. Could you give us a little bit of background about that, please, Shane? Yes, certainly. The government released a liquor reform white paper quite some time ago now, that had 40 proposals in it to deal with alcohol-related violence. And uh, it was out there as a discussion paper for consultation. Um, From a Greens point of view, we had a look at that at the time when it came out, and now there's been all the community feedback, and it's come to Cabinet. And uh, we couldn't support the first proposal, which was to actually essentially bring in a closing time of 3am rather than the current 5am closing time. Uh, The reason for that is that we think Canberra's nightlife is starting to build up, We want a a vibrant nightlife in this city and to go for the earlier closing we think would have really been a dampener on that uh, burgeoning nighttime industry here in the ACT. That was one of the concerns I think from late night venues is that business is booming and they they were afraid it would actually cripple them or they would would have to close. I think that's right and we do want to have a vibrant city life at at night. Uh, You know not everyone goes out past midnight these days you know as people get older they don't Mm. Uh, but there is a a segment of our community that does want to be able to go out and, and go out late. Uh, we want that to be able to happen, but in a safe way. So we do need to take steps uh, to tackle alcohol-related violence. And in 2010, uh, as the Greens member, I, I put forward some ideas around risk-based licensing and the government uh, took some of those on board and we do have a risk-based licensing system. I think that's the vein we should operate in of putting in place incentives and penalties when people do the wrong thing rather than having a blanket approach of just closing down the city at a certain time. Would you consider a lot of the the late-night businesses are complying with those obligations? I think it varies across the city. Certainly what the Greens would like to see is further licence reforms that encourage smaller bars and also restaurants and live music venues. The concern we have is that, you know, a lot of the late-night activity is simply going out drinking. Mm. What we actually want is for people to go out and be entertained, whether that's seeing live music or or various other options. And uh, we've seen uh, some smaller bars starting to take off in Canberra. Certainly in other cities like Sydney and Melbourne, we've seen the proliferation of small bars. They've generally got a safer record. Uh, And I think they stand in stark contrast to some venues, which simply are large barns that are about selling as much alcohol as possible to people. And that's not a good, safe thing for our city, is it? No, we we have seen, and people can name the venues. We all know what they are, that uh, some of those venues that are you know, aren't as safe and people who are concerned about their personal safety do avoid them. In the white paper, there was ACT ambulance service statistics that attributed half the ambulance tenants in Civic was between 3 and 4 a.m. and it was due to alcohol-related issues. And also the policing, it referred to a high percentage of alcohol-related assaults were reported after... 3am. Do we have a growing alcohol problem in the ACT? Oh look, I think in Australia generally the culture around alcohol is problematic that, mm. and that's just not in the entertainment districts. I mean right across our society if you look at issues around family violence there's often a strong correlation with alcohol consumption, uh, issues of assault generally. Uh, alcohol is playing a, and we've got to look at the question of alcohol in our community quite broadly. In terms of dealing with it in Civic, the white paper contained 40 proposals The first one was the earlier closing time at 3am, but there was a range of other proposals in there, a lot of which I think have got real merit. Mm. And so our approach is that rather than closing down the city at a certain time, we'd rather put in a range of those other proposals 
uh, which can have an impact in reducing alcohol-related violence. And we've got some further ideas that, as the Greens, we would want to put on the table as well. In your response, quoting here, you think there is a lot of measures that you can put in place to tackle the alcohol fuel violence that doesn't involve shutting down the city. Mm-hmm. So what would be some of those measures that you would like to see to reduce the alcohol fueled mm-hmm. violence? Well, for example, I referenced earlier our desire to encourage small bars. We think that uh, licence reforms could be put in place, which makes it cheaper to operate a smaller bar because obviously the economics of a smaller venue are different and so the government can make it easier for those smaller venues to operate. We'd be interested in an idea even, for example, where where a venue's got live music, they get a discount from their licence fees because, again, that brings a different sort of approach. People are being entertained rather than simply drinking. Uh, we'd like to see a nighttime mayor uh, to promote the night culture and work with businesses, residents and government to really deal with some of the issues that do arise from late-night entertainment. Mm. And I think there is a real issue around the off-licence sale of alcohol. We've got a number of venues in the city particularly that simply sell cheap alcohol out of supermarkets and convenience stores, as well as the big warehouse-type places that sell heavily discounted alcohol, where I think there is scope for us to uh, look at increasing the fees for those sort of outlets. As I was talking with people in the the music industry saying that they would like to see the entertainment side promoted or encouraged to bring Mm. in out-of-town entertainers or even local entertainers. If people wanted to give some input, what's the best way to approach or have their input at the moment? Oh, look, uh, at this stage, from a formal government point of view, because we come into the end of the term of the Assembly, there's been a decision that this legislation will not be passed. Uh, The Cabinet has rejected the notion of closing at 3am but has indicated that we'll need to keep working on issues of alcohol-related violence. But everyone's kind of going into election mode now, so Mm. as a member of the Greens, we'll be taking a policy to the election on what we think are the right answers and are hoping to take some of those through to the next Assembly after October's election. And, you know, if people wanted to get in touch with me, I'm more than happy to get emails from people or they can find me on Facebook and Twitter, whatever way suits, and, you know, we're open to getting ideas as we develop our policy. Is there anything else that you'd like to share today? This is a tricky area. And one that, you know, we want people to go out and have a good time and feel safe. I I hate the idea that some people would not go out in civic because they don't feel it's safe enough. So we've got to deal with this issue seriously. It's just about finding the right ways through what is a complex problem. And that is the challenge in a democracy, isn't it? We've got, we're wanting to represent the people's concerns, they're safe, but we don't want to have legal measures that take away their freedoms and choices as well. Yeah, and it's about getting that balance just right. And that's, that, you know, that is hard work, but... uh, I think with a bit more time and a bit more work, we can come up with some good answers. Shane, thank you for joining us on 2XX today. Thanks very much, Doug. That was Shane Rattenbury, Greens MLA, talking about reducing alcohol-related violence in the ACT. This interview was conducted after the ACT announcement earlier this week to not increase licence fees for venues serving alcohol past 3am. Thank you for listening to our special edition of 2XXFM's current affairs program, Subject ACT, Reducing Alcohol-Related Violence in the ACT. As part of the proposals to reduce alcohol-related violence in the ACT, the ACT government has stated they are not introducing lockout laws or increasing licence fees for venues open after 3am. However, to understand more of the wider issues regarding lockout laws, we play an excerpt from the late line debate between Gordy and Volder, 
Professor of Emergency at St Vincent Hospital in Sydney and Bernard Keane, Political Editor for Crikey. Gordon Fulda, let me ask you the similar question. <coughs> How has Sydney changed in your eyes uh, as a result of these lockout laws? Well, very simply, I'm just an emergency department. I'm just a doctor who's seen it. I've also been around a long time. We had you know, seat belts came in, a random breath test came in, helmets came in, the campaign for smoking came in. And these can be all seen as, you know, change and how we do things and, and let alone the word laws. But to specifically answer your question, all I can say is as it stands now, we have seen so much less and it's peer reviewed, uh, published, we have seen so much fewer, so many fewer people who have had their head punched in, who have been the real heavy, nasty violence on the footpaths in the areas where the, the call it the party principle, whatever, has so decreased. 25% uh, on a Friday and a Saturday, uh, hardly any need for intensive care beds in those two years, etc., etc. no deaths, all that sort of thing. And the other thing, to put it on the table, the neighbouring hospitals, Royal Prince Alfred, etc., etc., there has been no increase, once again, in that group of severely injured people where it's alcohol-related harm, and so there's been no sort of, I call it toothpaste thing, where you're squeezing something to somewhere else. Bernard Keane, do you accept the public health argument? There's certainly a public health argument. Um, the, the outcomes of the lockout laws do seem to have, uh, have seen a, a fall in the level of violence. But the, the, the issue is, well, you know, if you, if you turn the streets of Sydney into a ghost town after a certain point at night, well, of course there's going to be less violence. There are simply less people um, uh, out on the streets. So that outcome is partly inevitable. The, the public policy question is, is this a proportionate response to, a, to, to the nature of the problem? Let's look, let's think about the actual problem that was being addressed here, uh, the level of violence on the streets of Sydney. The level of violence on the streets of Sydney before the lockout laws uh, were introduced was relatively small, i.e. Sydney overall was actually a pretty safe, uh, safe city, and the level of violence, most importantly, was actually falling substantially. So in the, in the period, in the few years leading up to the introduction of the lockout laws, the number of assaults in Sydney, uh, in the city of Sydney, fell by over 20%. And that was at a time when the population of Sydney was going up. So this is a problem that was actually getting substantially better over the course of that time. And it was a problem that, in the overall scheme of things, is actually fairly limited. So the question becomes, is this a proportionate response to this particular problem? Were there other ways of handling this problem than imposing a set of draconian laws that have smashed businesses and seen people uh, losing money? And I think there's a strong argument to say, given the nature and scale of the problem that was being addressed, you know, really it was built up into a far greater threat to the safety of Sydney citizens, uh, particularly by the media, uh, than it actually was. And we had this, uh, you know, we've had this, uh, the consequence, the natural consequence of of, uh, of you know, hysteria-based policymaking, which is disproportionate outcomes, unintended consequences and uh, uh, far-reaching impacts that go far beyond the nature of the problem that you're trying to address. Dr Fulder, are you convinced this was a proportionate response by government? I think the, the language Bernard's using, which is fair enough, I think is to some way a bit emotive um, in that First of all, the science behind it is very, very soft, right? 
but certain bits are. In the, going back into history, this was modelled off Newcastle, right? And Newcastle had a problem, Hunter Street and all, and there was a support of the hoteliers and things. Within uh, 12 months or 18 months of their lockout laws, which is obviously a raft of things, just like in Sydney at the moment, the number of liquor licences went up by over 100%. The licences went to boutique bars, all that sort of thing, restaurants. So uh, the thing about a ghost town, uh, I can assure you, if you come into emergency departments in Vincent's, we all we still see lots of assaults. Remember, it only dropped it by 25%. Each major head injury costs $12 million. And that is including the police, it might be called, the ambulance, everything to rehab, the cost to lost wages. So this is why I say the community, the individual society has to work out, does it want that you walk down the street and you've got a very good chance of getting assaulted? And the other thing is, we can't measure it, but 20% decrease in uh, sexual assaults. We can't measure what I meant, we can't measure domestic violence, and we're not stopping drinking. Right? It's not like we I drink, right? Uh, it's just I'm saying that this is a thing where ghost town, it isn't. That was an excerpt from the late line debate between Gordian Folder, Professor of Emergency at St Vincent Hospital in Sydney, and Bernard Keane, political editor for Crikey, talking about the lockout laws and some of the wider impact. Stay tuned for more on 2XXFM 98.3 People Powered Radio celebrating 40 years of community radio in Canberra. To listen to this program again or previously aired Subject ACT programs, please like or join our Subject ACT Facebook page and follow the links to the SoundCloud site or visit soundcloud.com forward slash Subject ACT. This program will resume after the news when we talk about the health and safety impacts of alcohol-related violence in the ACT I'm Doug Dobing. Thank you for listening to 2XXFM 98.3. We resume our special edition of 2XXFM's current affairs program subject ACT, talking about reducing alcohol-related violence in the ACT. Thank you for joining us today on 2XXFM 98.3. I'm Doug Dobing. Alcohol-related violence is an important ACT current affairs issue. And earlier in the program, we talked with Jeremy Hansen, Leader of the Opposition, and Shane Rattenbury, Greens MLA, talking about how we can make Canberra a fun place to be with a vibrant nightlife and making sure that people can enjoy it in a safe environment. In the next hour, we talk about the health and safety impacts of alcohol-related violence in the ACT. Then in the final part of our program, we take a closer look at vibrant nightlife and talk with nightclubs and entertainment about how they support a safe and vibrant hospitality and entertainment sector in the ACT. Now to talk about the health and safety impacts of alcohol-related violence in the ACT, we welcome Rowan Smith, Alcohol Sergeant for the ACT Policing, he deals with alcohol crime coordination and liquor licensing. Rowan joins us on the program to talk about how ACT policing is there to help people to have a good time and how partnering with the community helps to address alcohol-related violence. Rowan, welcome to Subject ACT. 
Rowan, do we have a growing alcohol or violence problem in the ACT? No, we don't have a growing problem within the ACT. In fact, our data and statistics demonstrate that the alcohol fueled violence is actually on the decrease through a variety of mechanisms and a variety of programs that both ACT policing and the ACT government have implemented. What would you say are the key factors that are attributed to the alcohol-related violence? The key factors associated with alcohol-fuelled uh, violence are people within the community getting into a circumstance that's outside their control and in an environment where their rational thought process is decreasing through the increase of alcohol within their system. This causes them to perhaps do things that they wouldn't normally do in a normal environment and quite often they'll exhibit behavioural attributes that they wouldn't normally have. Now the white paper the government is talking about currently talks about one of the concerns being a reported culture of preloading. Is this a big factor that you notice in the field as a police officer? It's not a big factor the preloading. We acknowledge that it is part of a modern society that people are preloading prior to going out. However that preloading may or may not affect their ability and or their actions later on during that evening. The preloading is, is there predominantly because they feel it's a, a cheaper source of alcohol prior to going out where the alcohol is a lot more expensive. Whether that contributes or not to their ongoing activity depends on what they do later in the night, whether they have food, whether they have further drinks, what sort of drinks they have later on. But we haven't noticed an increase or and or don't attribute a greater level of violence associated with that. Where are the places where we tend to get a lot of incidences? Alcohol-related violence can be both in the domestic environment and also in the entertainment precinct. In the entertainment precincts where we have the nightclubs predominantly in the major town centres... We have the alcohol that is being served there is causing the individuals to move around, increase their alcohol intake to such a point that they don't think about what they're doing and where they're going. Where do you think it starts to lose a bit of control? I think it starts to lose a bit of control when people have more alcohol than their body is used to and they get an altered state of behaviour. When people go out, they generally are in, in a group or in the company of others and we encourage people to actually look after each other, friend, mm. friends, family and what have you, to make sure that the people that they're out with that night are having a good time because that's part of the dynamic of the Canberra nightlife but also that they're watching out that they haven't had a, enough alcohol to change their behavioural indicators and or activity during the night. Could you just describe um, what would be a typical night? Their role is to monitor, of an evening, monitor the entertainment precincts around Canberra, predominantly in the city but also in the other areas, and provide a safe environment for people who want to go out and enjoy themselves that night. They have both a proactive and a reactive role. The proactive role is they get out early in the evening, they're talking to people, they're engaging with the community, they're showing their face, they're there in their high visibility uniforms, and they're providing comfort to people who are out in the city, seeing them there to, um, to assist in providing with a safe environment. Later on in the night, they're there to respond to incidents and continue that presence. There is a very strong policing presence in certain circumstances where we need it, but we want people to have a good time without us having to be there, but we'll respond accordingly. How do you find the community response to you when you're out? The community is very positive towards ACT policing and the members that are out there of an evening, they engage with us, we engage with them, we have a lot of laughs, we have a lot of talks, they like to take photos and those sorts of things. <laughs> they do want to engage with the police and the police want to engage with them, assure them that everything's good. They like to see police out and about and it's quite often that we'll note, particularly with younger people, that they do note that police are out and about in the streets around them and they feel that level of comfort associated with that. Now we talked a little bit more about some of the impacts of alcohol-related violent situations. I mean, we've got club scenes 
emotions, but it's not just the drinking or the, the impact of alcohol on that person. What are some of the other impacts that you are aware of? The impact of excess alcohol and uh, alcohol-associated violence is, is broader than the individual. It does affect the individual at that time, but it affects a lot of other people as well. It certainly affects the, poli- uh, the police that have to look after them and have to respond. There's a, we, uh, the utilisation of police resources being tied up in these sorts of environments. Not only that, but emergency services more broadly, the um, ambulance service and St John's that can help us out sometimes. There's a huge impact on the emergency departments when we have to take these people down there to, that are, um, have had excessive alcohol. Mm. So there's an impact across the range of government services that detracts from core business that they might want to for people in greater need. There's also an impact upon friends and family. And if we look at some of the circumstances you mentioned earlier about the one-punch incidents, Mm. that has a broader impact upon the family, the parents, the friends, the associates of these people that have caused that, and the individuals themselves. I don't think anyone recovers from those sorts of circumstances, particularly the family members of both the victim and the perpetrator in these sorts of incidents. And as you said before, um, alcohol can impact on someone's ability to to think clearly on the night and often when they are intoxicated or affected by alcohol it's easy to react or overreact and then maybe regret on the situation afterwards. The consumption of alcohol does affect the mind and how it works. Our normal rational thought process of what is right, what is wrong, what is moral and what is not is affected by alcohol. Certainly from my experience I've seen people that would normally or otherwise be quite normal, reasonable, social people become aggressive upon the consumption of alcohol and do things that perhaps they wouldn't normally do. When we talk to their friends, if we've been in an incident and we're uh, liaising with their friends, they'll say, this person doesn't do this. This is not them. They've never done anything like this before. They've never been involved with the police before. But on this particular night, due to the excessive consumption of alcohol, we get a circumstance where they do something on a snap judgment and that can affect them, their family, their friends and their associates for the rest of their lives. What would you say would be some of the indicators of a situation going bad? The indicators of the situation going bad, one thing I want to stress is that police really want to encourage people to let us know and or someone else know before they become too bad. But the indicators of something going bad are that the person is not in their normal behaviour mode. They're engaging perhaps with somebody they've never even seen before in an aggressive manner. This person who's not normally aggressive suddenly starts targeting an individual for some particular reason. So if friends and uh, associates around them can see that, they need to draw that person back, take them away from that environment, assist the police. It's a partnership between the community and the police. Assist the police by drawing that down. If people are seeing that sort of circumstance towards them early on, contact the police as well. We're not there to lock people up. We're there to help them have a good time. And if we can interdict on those sorts of circumstances nice and early, everyone will get a better outcome out of it. And Rowan, also, do you work very closely with a lot of the nightclubs and pubs as well in managing these situations? We do. We've got a great relationship with the uh, nightclubs and the clubs. We have a a three-pronged program of engagement, education and enforcement. We do a lot of education sessions with the clubs and pubs and their staff and assist them in providing a safe environment for the community. We do a lot of engagement where I'll visit uh, a lot of the clubs and pubs every week. I'm visiting clubs and pubs and talking to the owners. Have you got any problems? Is there anything else you need? What else would you like us to do? But at the end of it, we've also got an enforcement model that we have to provide as well for the community where if something has gone beyond the limits of what people would expect is normal behaviour, then we'll have to take appropriate police action. How do you see the current responses working? Are they working effectively? Certainly the government has provided us with a range of responses, both outside of policing and within policing. We have a range of 
responses within policing. We certainly prefer to start at the lowest option to de-escalate the situation. We may just have a chat to that person, ask a mate, perhaps it's time he went home, that sort of thing. Following that, we can escalate that if required to giving somebody what we call a move-on direction, which is a legislative power where we can actually direct somebody to leave the certain areas of the city and go home, basically. You've had enough, go home. Mm. So we do have a legislated power to do that. Increasing from that, we do have a number of criminal infringement notices that we can issue, which are not dissimilar to a fine of some sort, a parking fine you might receive, where for certain behaviours we can issue with them with an on-the-spot fine. And escalating from that, we can also look at the possibility of actually arresting them to all intensive purposes for being intoxicated and disorderly, where they'll spend the night in the watch house to sober up. The final option for us is to actually charge people with offences related to their activity. It might be assault, it might be something like that. But as you said before, a lot of your aim as a police officer is to ensure a safe and fun, enjoyable night for for both the people and the business. Absolutely. That's our main intent. We want everyone to have a great night. It's a vibrant uh, city and we want the vibrant nightlife. So our aim is to partner with everyone else, the community and the government, to support that aim. As a community, what do you think we could do better? As a community, I think we're doing a pretty good job. We certainly want to have a partnership with the community. All the police officers that work here live here as well. We've all got kids. We've all got families here. We're part of the nightlife when we're not working as well. We want to be part of the community. We want, if anything, we can have a greater partnership with the community. We're seeing that through social media now where we're putting out requests for assistance, either because an incident has occurred or warning people that, you know, that that maybe something has happened or that sort of thing. But we want to be in partnership with the community to create the environment. Do you find with social media, is that getting a better engagement with people? Absolutely. The range of social media, ACT Policing does a lot of uh, development work and a lot of uh, putting a lot of information out there in relation to social media. But we find from an investigative perspective, you know, we will put clips and or pictures out there saying, who is this person that's uh, done, we believe has done something or can you identify this person or were you a witness to this particular incident? Please assist us. And we're finding a huge response from ACT community in assisting us with those inquiries. Isn't that fantastic? It's great. It's good that people are wanting to engage with the police. (laughs) Now, Rowan, is there anything else that you'd like to share today? Certainly, from an ACT policing perspective, we really do appreciate the role that the community plays in policing and assisting us in our alcohol-fuelled crime issues. The community has been very supportive of our efforts and we, we urge that they continue to be as supportive as they can in assisting us both before, during and after. If they can see incidents before and they can see that something may escalate into a situation, please contact us on 131444 or if it's an emergency on 000. And let us know what's going on so we can have a good response and everyone can have a fantastic evening. Rowan, it's really been great for you to join us today in 2XX. I hope we can do it again sometime in the future. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. That was Rowan Smith, Alcohol Sergeant for the ACT Policing, talking about how ACT Policing is there to help people have a good time and how partnering with the community helps address alcohol-related violence. You are listening to a special edition of 2XXFM's current affairs program subject ACT, talking about reducing alcohol-related violence in the ACT. We now talk more about the health and safety impacts of alcohol-related violence in the ACT, and we have with us Scott Warrington, Manager at Canberra Recovery Services. Scott, welcome to Subject ACT. Scott, you are the manager of Canberra Recovery Services at, so in many cases you would now see people at the worst scale of consumption of alcohol. When people come to us, 
I mean, they've really gotten to a point where um, they've lost everything. And and this is the reality of it. Most people have lost their families, their children. Um, quite often, nobody wants anything to do with them anymore. Um, they're often isolated and alone. They have multiple charges quite often. They also quite often are in danger of still going to jail even though they're with us. They're also sort of like on there sometimes having had multiple sort of like um, charges against them. Sometimes sometimes some of those are from having been in fights and um, so forth. And so they carry a lot of that shame and guilt with them by the time they get to us. I'm quite amazed sometimes by the amount of alcohol, and this is where it becomes so dangerous, is that um, the liver becomes damaged and so they wind up with massive cirrhosis of the liver or hepatitis. Quite often um, their health is in such a way that um, they've lost control of their um, their bowels and um, sometimes um, their mental health is quite severe. Some people find it difficult learning new things because they've damaged their brain to such an extent that they've acquired some brain inj- um, damage. And quite often that can happen to people who have only just had one binge. And it's um, been known that some people can go out and have a binge and, and have some brain damage so associated with that. So it's sometimes not some people that have and drinking and drinking for years that are the only ones that can acquire some sort of brain damage. And I don't think people realise how harmful alcohol can be when it's um, consumed and in, in a large amount. Society's telling us in Australia that if you drink any less than a six pack, then um, you're not, you know, you're not doing it right. You know, mm. what is it about that alcohol um, sensation? Do you think that attracts people? Well, I think it is actually partly to do with the loss of inhibitions. You know, people sort of like feel that people might like them if they're um, being funny or being able to talk a bit more once they get a bit tipsy. Unfortunately, it tends to go a bit further than that, and people then get really drunk and then start acting ways that make them look foolish and and I think that's the part when once somebody acts foolish then somebody might say something and then they might lose their temper but I think that loss of inhibition is actually one of the key points and also society says that you've got to drink in order to have fun I mean all your sporting ads have alcohol on it so they're basically advertising that if you want to go and watch a sporting event you've got to drink alcohol which is just a perfect recipe for danger I think in many ways um, that alcohol, I guess, um, um, from my perspective, is a very harmful drug. Sometimes a way a, a drug affects one person doesn't always affect another person the same way. Yes. But there is a certain group, and um, and it's it's probably a fairly high group of people who drink um, or binge drink or drink far too much, uh, who find themselves in that sort of environment of heightened excitement um, that also then places them in a position where um, they have this um, aggressive um, behavioural pattern um, which quite often does um, shine out by doing stupid acts or or acts that might harm other people Um, and sometimes people do that, they get in a car and they drive aggressively while they've been drinking and, and and yet, uh, if you were to talk to them when they weren't drinking, they would say they'd never drive like that. So people often do things when affected by alcohol that they wouldn't normally do. We could have an action in one moment when someone's affected by alcohol, 
and that action in itself has a long-term consequence. So at the moment where somebody acts, they're probably not even taking it that seriously. It's not until afterward that maybe they get a visit from the police or they see, you know, something on TV or they might find themselves waking up and, and wondering why they've got all these bruises on them. People quite often don't always remember what they've done and so they might have some blackout experience, which is usually a sign of some kind of brain damage that they've caused themselves. So these things are really quite serious, you know, like the harmful effects to, to them and also physically. There's a lot of effects to the physical body from using too much alcohol. So it does have a real negative effect in so many levels on society. Now, Scott, yeah. I was talking with Canberra Policing and they said another impact, say going out on the weekend and over drinking, is the after effect of when they go home and it can contribute to domestic violence as well. I think that's um, quite true. So if someone comes home and and they suddenly feel like they're being nagged, they become angry, then it's heightened to the point where they lash out and um, do some harm that's quite often not repairable. Mm. And um, they may not be able to judge their their reactions or their actions at that, at that moment. What would be some indicators? I mean, it's easy for us to see the extreme when someone is intoxicated, but what are some of the early indicators of something going, you know, having too much of a good, of a good thing? Quite often it's quite the simple things, um, maybe getting a little bit wobbly when they first get up off the chair or even having to go to the toilet too much, you know, shows that you've got too much fluid in your body and, and um, you're having to go to the toilet. So, like, there's probably a lot of different factors, but I would probably say that you start to actually feel overconfident. Like, I mean, people keep saying, why do people get in cars when they've been drinking? It's usually because they start feeling like they're more capable when they're not. So there's an error of more of a an error of judgment because they're affected by alcohol. Yeah. Yeah. So in that case, they are probably not a good judge of where they're at. No, look, I don't think anyone who begins to drink too much has very good judgment mm. at all. So in that case, it's probably a responsibility of their their friends and their mates around them to to keep an eye out. That's probably a, a more important thing, isn't it? Over the years too, there's also been a bit of a encouragement that. There's always a responsible driver or a responsible person in the group that people as a group take turns, you know, like, I mean, it's probably not a bad idea if you're not going to bash him when he tells you you've had too much to drink, you know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. But, uh, so, so so a friend that's strong enough to challenge them when they, they've had too much. Scott, the same thing. You've, you've been in situations where people have been drinking and they've got in trouble with the law and they've gone to court. You've accompanied them there. What is that experience like for them? What do they go through? Yeah, look, I think everyone approaches it differently. Like, I think some some people don't realise the seriousness of what they're doing. Sometimes they don't realise how much harm they, they might have done or they already did do. Um, and so quite often they can have a different varying. Some people might be blasé, others might be quite embarrassed and ashamed. And so they even in at that point they might um, behave um, like bluster through it to try and block their feelings or emotions around it. But I think people over the years that I've gone with, by the time they get to me, they're really quite remorseful about what they've done and um, they want to sort of like try and do something to have that not happen to them again. Do you think that our culture like Canberra, alcohol-related violence is becoming a bigger problem in Canberra or do you think as a society we're saying we've had enough of it? Well, look, I think society 
um, does feel uncomfortable around people who are, drink, are drinking too much. Whether or not we're getting worse or better, I'm not sure, but I do think that when I moved, say, from New South Wales to the ACT, so it did seem to me like the availability was a big issue. So you felt that alcohol was more available in the, in the ACT when you came here? Well, it, it felt that way. I'm mm. not sure if that's true or not, but you know, I certainly felt that it was more visible to me than what I'd noticed before. As a community, we do have a responsibility for the safety and well-being of people. What are some of the things that you think, as a society or as a community, that would help reduce alcohol-related violence? Well, I think we need to try and work on the culture that Australians have. You know, like, I mean, we used to have those ads where, you know, you'd have a um, two guys walk into a room and there was a little bar fridge and then everyone would look in and there was one or two beers and they'd all start complaining and then he'd open up a a big wall fridge with thousands of beers and that was more acceptable, you know. Mm. Um, So those kind of messages have been sent out to Australians for many years that it was okay to sort of like um, drink to the point of nearly alcohol poisoning sort of stages um, without realising that this is really quite harmful to our bodies and to our brains. And the way that we interact with our fellow human beings is is really not acceptable when we drink like that. What's the demographics that would go to... Um, say a rehab I mean are we talking about like in in some ways in our mind we can think of someone who's been drinking alcohol for a lot of years but that's not necessarily the case is it? Not really I mean sometimes we get people in who have um, um, not really had much of a problem with alcohol and suddenly they'll have a a relationship breakdown um, or they've and although sometimes you've got to ask whether or not that was because of the alcohol but truthfully um, some people suddenly just go over the edge once they've had something bad happen in their lives. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes people um, gradually build up this resistance and then they get to a point when they can't afford to buy alcohol and they notice they're having withdrawals or having some kind of a minor pit of some kind. Sometimes they might wind up in hospital with some kind of uh, associated physical problem which has been associated to too much drinking um, and then they suddenly become aware that, look, I think I need help, some help for this. Mm-hmm. And they so, might even find it, yeah, that usually it's because they've had multiple stays in hospitals or emergency or they've been done for drink driving. They're all indicators of people drinking way too much. Yeah. Mm. And their life's become, starting to become yeah. unmanageable yeah, as well. Yeah, very unmanageable. Mm. And I think that's the key is by the time it gets to the point of being unmanageable, quite often it's almost too late. So, Scott, where can people talk to somebody in Canberra if they are finding that alcohol and or violence is a problem in their life? I think fortunately in the ACT, we do have some really good services available. And of course, people can ring up um, our number here at Canberra Recovery Services. But look, there there are others too. People can have a look on the website, ATOTA website, and that has the whole list of sort of all the available services in the ACT. But there's places apart from ourselves uh, like Carolica directions which has um, a, a group of services and there's a, and a, a number of other services as well. There's um, places like Wanunga that also help people in the community, Indigenous people in the community. Um, you know, so um, there are a real, yeah, the Otoda website's probably the best place or to maybe look up the phone number and give them a call. Quite often they can do that. Sometimes people can get contact through the um, hospital detox service. Quite often when they go into the detoxification 
service there to get help. They'll often make referrals from there as well. Um, or even talk to your GP and ask them what they can do. So sometimes at the early stages, a local GP might have ideas that might be able to help them to stop drinking. Yeah. Or at least reduce, yeah. Society right throughout Australia that um, our culture, um, our idea of having fun is based around alcohol. And I think that's sad because life is meant to, to be fun. And actually, um, I think you have a lot more fun when you uh, resist um, over drinking and, and actually enjoy what's around you. Scott, thank you for sharing so much valuable insight and information about alcohol and its effects. Really appreciate your time. I'd like you to come back and talk with us again more in the future. But thank you very much for joining us today on 2XX. All right. Thank you very much. You are listening to a special edition of 2XXFM's current affairs program subject ACT as we talk about reducing alcohol-related violence in the ACT. That was Scott Warrington, manager at Canberra Recovery Services, talking about how alcohol affects different people in different ways and where to go for help and counselling. For more information about drug and alcohol services in the ACT, go to the atoda.gov.au website atoda.gov.au Thank you for joining us on 2XXFM 98.3 People Powered Radio. I'm Doug Dobing. In the final part of our program, we take a closer look at the vibrant nightlife and talk with nightclubs and entertainment about how they support a safe and vibrant hospitality and entertainment sector in the ACT. We now welcome Ryan Sabert, Keep Canberra Open spokesman, to our program. Ryan, welcome to 2XX. Thanks for having me, Doug. Now, Ryan, can you tell us a bit about what the rally is about? Yeah, the rally is about um, the ACT community members uh, coming together to show the, the benefits of the late-night culture in Canberra, the late-night entertainment sector, and to, to communicate with the government that we're unhappy with the proposed legislation changes in the white paper that's been presented um, and that we feel that we need to communicate that ahead of this legislation being acted on to protect our late-night culture um, in this city. Now, Ryan, can you tell us a bit about the late-night culture? Well, surprisingly, uh, contrary to what you hear in the media, it's very safe. Um, you know, we've had a 11% drop in um, alcohol-related violence and assaults since 2010, uh, the last liquor review, and um, it's... It is a great night out. You know, there's great, a, a really broad array of different venues, live music, electronic music, dancing venues, great little bars popping up. Um, and changes to the liquor legislation damage that, that, that culture and those businesses, and we need to protect it. So in some ways, it's a bit of a fragile environment, isn't it? We're trying to get an exciting and vibrant nightlife, but on the other side, we're trying to keep it safe. Absolutely. Like in any industry, there are risks associated with, with an industry. Um, we have some really robust RSA, responsible service of alcohol laws in Canberra. Um, we have a, you know, a risk-based licensing system that's working. And we're concerned that the changes that are being proposed will, will damage that already positive system that's in place, make it unfeasible for businesses to operate, which will then affect that, that um, late-night economy. We believe most of the late-night venues, well, actually all of the late-night venues will close, forcing people onto the streets at a particular time. Uh, we don't feel the government has a plan for that, be it transport or, or even a plan for what happens to music culture when it goes underground. Uh, we feel that having young people and more well, people of all ages um, in safe environments that are managed by security, that are managed by our RSA regulations in those venues is much safer than, than music ending up being at warehouse parties or underground as what's happening in Sydney now.
while people are in a venue, there's security and measures to keep those people safe. But a and lot the licensees of, have responsibility. Mm. You know, so while we talk on that, what are some of the responsibilities of the licensee at this moment? Well, they have to ensure responsible service of alcohol. They have to ensure strict occupancy loadings. They have to ensure security measures are in place. They have to, you know, apply for licences, you know, input ramps, uh, risk analysis. So there's quite a, you know, significant set of parameters to being put into that position of trusting the community to serve alcohol. And and I think, you know, that that is working in Canberra. It's it's um, and it's very it's it's a lot more regulated than other states. So uh, it's, it's, a, it's a positive framework, it's working and we should stick with it or we should even look to become more progressive and look at Melbourne's approach, which is also a risk-based licensing um, scenario, but they're 24 hours. And it provides a, a lot of opportunities for late night industry, which is really positive for any growing city, a lot of jobs, a lot of great cultural opportunities. Um, and it's another way of looking at the, um, the alcohol industry and the late night industry. The other side to the late night entertainment venues are the entertainers themselves. What are some of those opportunities for upcoming musicians and entertainers? Well, we see that ourselves with the rally happening this Saturday. We've got entertainers that have come through nightclubs and pubs and bars in Canberra. Peking Duck will be there on Saturday supporting our movement. Hands Like Houses, um, Hands Like Houses, big rock band have been touring the US. Aston Shuffle, electronic artists from Canberra, huge international success. Um, and other performers and, and speakers as well on Saturday. Um, so those people have come and created a career in music and entertainment as a result of our industry. But there's a huge number of young people who uh, DJ or, or play guitar or perform every weekend um, in these venues and entertain people and provide a, a fun and exciting night out. And not to mention all the bar staff and wait staff at venues who are, you know, students often in Canberra. You know, youth unemployment is a, is a key thing. and We don't want to take away some of those jobs. The Foundation for Alcohol Research and Education uh, released in June this year stating that their survey said there was, they said here, almost two-thirds of the ACT residents support the introduction of 3am last drinks for clubs, pubs and bars. Do you think that's a fair response? I'm pretty sure, Doug, what you're you're reading out there is a sample of about, I think it was 1,100 people. It's not a very good sample size. And then that article was actually placed in the Canberra Times. And by the end of the day, the poll at the bottom of the Canberra Times was 82 to 18% against 3am last drinks. So the community responded to that article pretty strongly. Um, You know, the FAIR is, uh, you know, an anti-alcohol lobbying group. And it's funny, actually, they are the representative on the Liquor Advisory Board for the community. A anti-alcohol lobby group represents our entire community at the Liquor Advisory Board. So this is another thing that Keep Canberra Open are keen to change and, and see that the government listens to, to us here and says there's a lack of consultation and it's probably just the nature of, of our changing city. But there needs to be somebody from Music, music ACT, potentially our peak body, on the Liquor Advisory Board, protecting late-night culture and entertainment. And also we need to consider who those members are for the community and representing young people on the Liquor Advisory Board because I think here what we've seen is young people have been missed or even it's not even young people, people who like to go out and who who care about that late-night culture are not part of that consultation process so we wouldn't have ended up here with a potential 3am lockout. Now, the white paper that's been prepared for the current ACT government talks about... Um, the statistics that most of the alcohol-related violence happens between 3am and 6am and also there's a high percent presentation of alcohol-related violence in the hospitals. What would you say about that? 
Look, I'd say if you actually uh, go back to the report itself um, from FAIR uh, that that data's drawn from, uh, the evidence shows that excessive drinking is not just occurring after 3am in Civic. Ambulance attendance in Canberra for excessive drinking between 3 and 6am are in fact less than the period from 6 till 9 and half that from both 9pm midnight and, not, and midnight to 3am. Um, there are also people attending these hospitals are coming from different places in our community, not just late night entertainment venues. You know, there's a there's a big problem with pre-drinking and pre-loading, and that's something that was addressed in the report that the government's using to draw on data from for this um, review. You know, and they are trying to to attempt to um, resolve that in some of the recommendations. But proposal one is seriously damaging to uh, the late night industry, and then on to the city and foot traffic through the city, and will have a, a very damaging effect on jobs and culture in our city. There are better approaches, and that's what we're saying. The Cardiff model is a, is a good one. Forty percent reduction in alcohol-related violence since 2002 in Cardiff, and that focuses on dealing with individuals and, and alcohol abuse and counselling people through that when they come in contact with police or come in contact with ambulance um, and, and, and medical services. So, you know, we're not, we're, I think we'd all be pretty sure we're not heading back to prohibition and no one's keen to do that. But, you know, every time we take a few hours off trading, every time we, we wind back, we're heading towards it. What we need to look at is ways of dealing with troublemakers, ways of, of making spots where there's high density safer, ways of continuing this risk-based approach to licensing, maybe actually pushing those hours out to 24 hours and looking at, at, at putting trust in the licensees and, and putting trust in, in society members to act appropriately because most people just want to have a dance and have a good time. There are troublemakers. We need to deal with them. We also need to look at ways to deal with those people that are abusing alcohol. You've worked in the night entertainment industry. When someone is affected by alcohol, they often don't know what they're doing. They often don't get their own self-hints. What would you recommend if someone's out there with with a friend who's starting to get a bit wild and robust what would you suggest look i'd suggest that they um they talk to their friends about why they're drinking that much i mean you know we're actually young people are drinking a lot less um if you look into it at the moment there's a decline been a steady decline in alcohol um use by young people actually the biggest grouping is group of drinkers these days is over 65 so you know there's a shift and people need to uh acknowledge where alcohol abuse comes from and where the community need to it doesn't come from people wanting to go dance it doesn't come from people wanting to listen to music it comes from other issues in those individuals lives and dealing with individuals i think is a key part of this um finding ways to help people with alcohol abuse problems or help um deal with community members that come in contact with police and dealing with troublemakers so if you're a troublemaker you know there needs to be tougher sentences mm. so it's dealing with the person that's creating the problem mm. not punishing the wider community Absolutely. And protecting a, a really exciting and, and vibrant industry in our city that creates jobs, gives opportunity to young people and, and gives a place for all of us of all ages to go and, and, and enjoy our weekend, you know, um, and, you know, taking away uh, and slowly decaying certain parts of that industry will have knock on effects. Now, this weekend, there is a keep Canberra Open Rally. Just a few more brief details about that. Yeah, so we're, we're getting together at midday in Garima Place. Um, we expect a big turnout, uh, a lot of support um, through people we talk to and, and online. We've obviously got some very high-profile guests coming to perform and, and speak. Uh, as I said before, Peking Duck, um, you know, headline splendor in the grass last year. They're coming, Canberra guys. Hands Like Houses touring all around the US. Aston Shuffle, The Young Monks, um, Jack Billman, and then a bunch of other DJs from around the venues around town. We'll hear from Tyson Coe. 
um, from Keep Sydney Open, a friend of ours. And we'll hear um, Jeremy Hansen will be receiving our petition, um, which has over 7,000 signatures that are very against Proposal 1 and Proposal 7 of, of the white paper. And we call on the, the government to um, reconsider and, and, and sit down and maybe consult with, as I said, some of those music members and, and some people right on the ground with that late on industry and come up with a better approach, uh, maybe the 24-hour approach and, and continue our risk-based licensing and, and, um, and, and continue to approach those risks together. Now, Ryan, is there anything else that you'd like to say? Just like to say, I think uh, you know we've got a great, great growing scene here, and and we've almost benefited from the Sydney Sydney lockouts by a lot of musicians down in Canberra here now, and um, there's there's great gigs on every weekend, great bars to go to, and you know let's keep Canberra open, let's be progressive in our liquor legislation, and come out on Saturday and support it. I think what will be something that's that we'll see into the future be very important for our city. Ryan, thank you so much for joining us on 2XXFM and giving the insights from the industry. Um, and we'd like to talk with you more down the track. That'd be great, Doug. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. Cheers. That was Ryan Sabert, Keeping Canberra Open spokesman, talking about dealing with troublemakers, making areas of high density safer, and a risk-based approach to licensing. Stay tuned for more on 2XXFM 98.3, People Powered Radio celebrating 40 years of community radio in Canberra. In the final part of our special subject ACT program on reducing alcohol-related violence in the ACT, we now take a closer look at the vibrant nightlife and we talk with nightclubs and entertainment about how they support a safe and vibrant hospitality and entertainment sector. James Beetham, DJ, producer and radio presenter, is now with us to talk about late-night entertainment. James, welcome to Subject ACT. James, uh, thank you for joining us on 2XX. No worries, thank you for having me. You're welcome. Now, James, alcohol-related violence, is that growing in Canberra, do you think? Um, I must admit, I've, I've been in the uh, scene for about 11 years now, and in my younger years, I did notice that there was a lot more violence than there is today. Uh, I, I personally have seen it uh, on the decrease. There is obviously uh, a few areas that have a bit of trouble, which obviously need to be managed. But uh, I think on the whole, it has been decreasing, yeah. You you think it's important for Canberra to encourage more smaller night businesses? That's correct, okay. yes. So uh, I think, I think the, um, the, the, the bigger the location is, the more the more it becomes, I guess, like a drinking hole, <laughs> mm. which is, I think, where a lot of the violence comes and it becomes about not about the culture that people are coming out for. It becomes about, let's go and have a drink and see how late we can stay out, That's mm. what, which I think is the wrong mentality to put on to your clients as well. So you're trying to encourage the entertainment culture rather than the drinking culture? That's correct. Mm. And, and, I mean, something does need to be done to address, you know, the drinking culture. It can't be sort of, you know, set up in your entertainment culture and forget about the current culture that's there. You know, something needs to be done. And obviously in Sydney and Melbourne, uh Similar things could be applied where you know, a three strike rule where if you know you you suddenly got done being misbehaving while you've been drunk, then maybe you you know you get banned from the area and you're not allowed to go there. From your side, you're saying it's important to look at the real issues. On one side, we're trying to boost the ent- late night entertainment culture, but if there yeah. is a problem, let's work on what the real problem is. That's correct. Yeah. And I guess the other big thing as well that has been uh, noticed from the camera culture that's in the entertainment industry uh, is that these changes came up in sort of uh, March, April, 
that they were sort of introduced to basically being put on the, the proposal paper. And we as a group of entertainers didn't realise that there was hardly any confrontation, sorry, any, conf- uh, any communication completed with us as a group that the government accepted. Mm. And I think that's the best thing right now is the fact that the ACT government has stepped down now uh, because they've obviously seen it that it's probably an election issue. <laughs> mm. But we want to obviously push through and not just say, okay, great, you've taken those ideas of the proposal, but what are you going to propose? Because as we've discussed already today, we need some changes. It's not like we can just leave it. Mm. So what would you oh, like yeah. to say to the government if you had that chance at this moment? Look, I mean... Uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's dependent on what government we basically uh, are electing uh, yeah. as well. Um, hopefully, obviously, it's, um, uh, Shane Rattenbury has changed his recent decision, which has basically shifted the, the climate for politics in ACT at the current moment. Um, and I assume that uh, the best thing would be to be able to uh, have a party that wants to work with the community and not just try and raise revenue. That's mm. what I, I would love to see. So you'd like to yeah. see some ways to pull um, entertainment to come to Canberra to, to draw that entertainment and increase that nightlife? That's life. correct. Look, yep. I, I, I'm working with uh, multiple crews down the East Coast and we're trying to uh, basically swap a lot of the DJs. We're, we're sort of... We're on, uh, because of the, uh, the change in uh, the industry and the electronic dance music industry with... Uh, the big pop and the explosion of interest in electronic dance music has made more people get inter- interested in the uh, music, which has also in turn brought the cost up of touring acts. Mm. Uh, plus also, you know, with um, world uh, currency changes, it's actually the American dollar going down at the current moment. It's actually costing us more to get acts. Mm. So in that sort of uh, thing, it's, it's a great time for, for people to actually search for national acts and really understand that that's our network and we should build on that one before we start building on the national, the international networks. Mm. So on another side, I'm guessing you'd like to talk with um, the government to look at ways to improve, to bring bands in here or entertainment into Canberra to improve yeah. this night culture. But do yeah. we have acts that pull big numbers to Canberra f- for entertainment? Oh, yes, definitely. Peking Duck, all right, they're, they're playing at the rally this Saturday. Um they're very popular to an age group between sort of 18 to 25. Uh, they are very good at what they do. And they would put on a show and they would easily sell it out, 2,000 people in Canberra. They're from Canberra um, mm. and they're able to do that. And it's not like they're actually, uh, you know, an international touring. Um, it's just because they've just got that sheer good factor that people want to go see them. Uh, there's Flume. Flume, so Flume's going to be... Um, uh, touring around Australia sometime soon, and uh, he's going to be hitting by Canberra, and that will be an awesome event. And you know, he pulls in a big, big crowd in Australia in the scene that we're in as well as well for the electronic music. That is fantastic, James. Thank you for sharing with us on Two Double X. No worries. And thank all you the for best. The time. You're welcome. That was James Beetham, DJ, producer, and radio presenter, talking about late night entertainment. Stay tuned for more on Two Double X FM. as we continue our special subject ACT program talking about reducing alcohol-related violence in the ACT. To wrap up today's special subject ACT program on reducing alcohol-related violence, we talk with Green Bricks, an emerging Canberra-based pop-punk punk punk rock band. 
Band members Diane, Dave, Declan and Kyle, welcome to Subject ACT. What's the nightlife entertainment scene in Canberra at the moment and for a, for a band like yourselves? Um, the punk scene is actually pretty good in Canberra. I'd say definitely better than it was when I started. I know they had a bit of a slow era before that. Um, and I think around the early 2000s, there was a good punk scene. So it's definitely been coming back recently. How much work do you depend on for night entertainment? We've actually been lucky getting a few uh, support spots and stuff like that for our friends' bands and uh, international bands, um, just through people we know. When I started, it was definitely more about putting on your own show. But now it seems we're just able to get onto more sets because we're not really a headlining capacity as well. Definitely more about just getting onto shows with other people. Exactly, and it's a way, it's a good way to get started as a band and build build your reputation. What do you mm. think needs to be done to help or improve um, the opportunities for entertainers in Canberra? Um, definitely more venues. Yeah, um, we have the Magpie City venue for the punk and hardcore scene, which was just absolutely fantastic. It had large headliners; any local band could play there, pretty much. Um, and I don't know, just without that there, there's a lot less options for more hardcore bands and punk bands. A lot bands. of bands don't come to Canberra because of that as well. Mm. So is, so you were just saying that um, other bands don't come to Canberra because there's not enough venues? Um, I think you would say that. I think there's kind of a stigma around the Canberra scene. Not like, not a particularly bad stigma, but just it doesn't have as big a scene as places like Sydney or Melbourne or Brisbane, stuff like that. It's only in that sense you're talking about numbers that would attend um, a, a yeah. band. Yeah, okay. Yeah, absolutely. Like we do, just have a smaller population as well than those cities, and that just reflects on the music scene as well. So, in a way, we need to start promoting our local bands more as well. Yeah, I, I think so. Like um, a, a good example of massive numbers in Canberra is absolutely the Bennies. Whenever they come. They've come on Wednesday nights and stuff and just sold out, you know, transit bar and stuff, and they can do that. They have that following. Mm. Um, but then for, you know, just even other bands that are at that level, they can't seem to get that many numbers when they come here. So we need to look at ways we can promote a following and get some more bands coming into town. Now, there's a lot of talk about alcohol-related violence in the ACT, with entertainment, do you come across a lot of problems with alcohol and people being violent? Um, not so much, uh, you know, just gigs. What I've found, like, it's usually in the club scene. Yeah, more more clubs and RSL related as opposed to... Yeah, it goes with all that binge drinking. For, like, live music and stuff, people will drink and they might even drink heavily, but no one's out there just to drink like you would be in a club. You're out there for the music, you know? Mm, so they're actually so they're going out to appreciate the entertainment rather than getting off their face. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Except for the bands, because everyone's off their face, but everyone has a good time. <laughs> <laughs> it is important to have a good time. So, what would you suggest needs to be done to re- reduce alcohol-related violence in the ACT? I think the core issue is there's. Let's uh, take it back to like maybe uh, the parenting of the generation <laughs> that are going up. So, which comes back to. Probably our Australian cultural values in a way. I think it is a cultural thing, absolutely. Um, And it's a shame because, you know, so many people are out there just to drink and have fun with their mates and then it just takes, you know, one idiot to start a fight for no reason. Mm. And that's one thing we're talking about when someone starts being affected by 
a substance, whether it's alcohol or recreational or illicit drugs, they, they're not in a state to know what they're doing. And many people are quite, afterwards they go, well, that wasn't me, that's not my normal behaviour. It is interesting, I think, because like, we all have access to alcohol. You know, I can go drinking, you can go drinking, we're not going to punch anyone. Mm. But there is a person who will punch someone when they're drinking. And that's the concern. Mm. Mm. So what would you suggest we need to do? Look, it's a hard one. I think a lot of people are going to say you need more police presence, stuff like that. There might even be some people who say lockout laws are a good thing for stuff like that, and that's a whole other issue. But I think they're, they're addressing a symptom, not the cause, you know? Mm. What I think, you th- have to, yep. I think um, it would take more than just, you know, policing, stuff like that. There has to be government support, stuff like that, to actually look at why these people are doing these things, you know? Mm. Is you know, is Greg over there going out and kinghing someone because he's losing his job or something like that? It's, it's clearly his own anger that's causing that, so, and the alcohol brings it out of him. Hmm. So it's probably wider issues like counselling and support for helping people with those issues underneath. Hmm. Yeah. Guys, look, is there anything else that you'd like to say today? Uh, just like our Facebook page, please, <laughs> anyone listening. Okay, just, yeah, give that a plug. Just so- <laughs> Yeah. yeah, just look up Green Bricks on Facebook, G-R-E-E-N-B-R-I-C-K-S. We're in Canberra. Uh, you're listening to 2XXM. Fantastic, guys. Where the bricks are. <laughs> <laughs> Where the bricks are at. <laughs> thanks for joining us on 2XXM. Awesome. Oh, thanks for having us, Doug. You're welcome. That was Green Bricks, an emerging Canberra-based pop punk, punk rock band, talking about reducing alcohol-related violence, Band members Diane, Dave, Declan and Kyle say we need to look at the cause and why people are doing these things. Alcohol-related violence is an important ACT current affairs issue and thank you for listening to our special edition of 2XXFM's current affairs program, Subject ACT, talking about reducing alcohol-related violence in the ACT. To listen to this program again or previously aired Subject ACT programs, please join our Subject ACT Facebook page and follow the links to the SoundCloud site or visit soundcloud.com forward slash Subject ACT. Stay tuned for more on 2XXFM 98.3 People Powered Radio, celebrating 40 years of community radio in Canberra. I'm Doug Doving on Subject ACT. Thank you for your company and have a great day. 